0: Hello
1: everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. In today's show, we talk with our buddy Ty Ao. Ty is a heck of an angler and he has some really interesting perspectives on fish behavior. We also chat about another recent debacle of a fishing trip and we hit on some Q&A. Hope you guys enjoy. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Hercules Tires, the official tire of the Angler's Happy Hour podcast. I've personally trusted the Hercules TerraTrack AT2 all-terrain truck tires and Power ST2 trailer tires to get my truck and boat trailer to every event around the country safely for the past two years. These tires are incredibly long-lasting, quiet on the road, and most importantly, reliable. If you're in the market for a new set of truck or trailer tires, head over to HerculesTires.com and see why these tires are such an incredible value. You can also find out more about Hercules Tires on Facebook or Instagram at Hercules Tires. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode. It's the first episode of 2021. Hope you all had a great new year and we are ready to kick off the year. I think we've got a good episode on tap today. We've got a good guest and uh we've got our usual silly stuff uh q a question a couple other things so uh let's get kicking but first let's go around the table and see what's up with the guys nick what uh, what's going on your way man yo man welcome to the new year looking forward
2: to a big bright start to this year and uh yeah man had a good week wrapping up the holidays i did make it out on the water um, as promised and uh, it was it was pretty fun we Um, You know, I I did a lot to build excitement in my two oldest kids because it had been a little while since they'd been on the boat. And so I, you know, I rallied the troops and uh, we made the the first time I've ever taken my large ghetto suburban up through Globe to Roosevelt. So that was the first leg of the rodeo. And uh, we made no progress. Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, We sustained some pretty massive hearing loss. The exhaust is um, maybe like the equivalent of sitting behind a jet engine for two hours. So <laughs> both kids fell asleep. So there might've been some carbon monoxide poisoning Ooh, as well, nice. but I like to think of it as building character. So the dog and the two kids and I rumbled our way up the mountain and, uh, you know, we were pretty excited cause we had Josh's a water. We were on the juice. And, uh, as we came into the ramp parking lot slash bathroom parking spot, we, uh, used the facilities and I went to trim the motor up to take the, the little stopper thing off and it sounded weird and I was like wow I can't believe I drove this far and <laughs> ruined everyone's hearing for my trim motor to be going out and then I thought that doesn't really seem likely and I know I charged these damn batteries for like at least 24 hours so that can't be the problem well lo and behold apparently uh, the cranking battery didn't charge so so, no problem. I just broke out the phone and figured I'd call my BFF Josh and had no service. So, we did a 180 and drove about 10 miles to get some phone service and Josh to the rescue. And, Rob, you'll appreciate this. I was thinking, you know, this day could have took a turn for the worse here, but we're, it was my birthday nonetheless. So I was like, nothing was going to get me down on my birthday. I'm still going to make this happen. We'll just get in Josh's boat and fish, and it's going to be amazing. And, Josh came and, uh, he said, "No dice." He said, "You better, you better fix that battery." Now nah, I'm just kidding.
1: Do you think you're? It's one of the one of the saddest moments I've had all year. But I had to make you know how to start the my new wife year is, off. dude. If if you think there were three people coming on my boat under any circumstance with my wife in the boat during COVID, you're crazy, bro. I and bought and one I'm, of those I'm so suits. am so sorry. so sorry, but there's no chance. <laughs> no, I'm totally just throwing you under the bus. Actually, Josh
2: goes on saying that he doesn't know anything about mechanical rob he had me on the lake idling away from my trailer within like three minutes dude he's like magic boat repair man oh you know I've. I've what the was answers.
3: the battery dead or what'd you do did you jump it what would you do Yeah,
2: well i couldn't jump it i think it was too dead i had we he's like we'll leave the cables on it for a while and that brought some juice to it but it was just you know, the orange had been juiced, the battery was toast. So luckily, my uh, leads were long enough that I just swapped them over to one of my trolling motor batteries, and then drove to the spot and then swapped them back. And uh, we uh, I I just wanted to make Josh feel bad. He was awesome, dude. He freaking came over helped us out. Everything was good. And and then we still went and poached his juice. I had no front graphs. And uh, we proceeded to each kid caught three or four fish. We did cheat with live minnows, though. That's but, uh, awesome. They had such a great time, dude. It's so funny. Like the obliviousness of seven and five year olds had no idea that I was like stressed and angry. And hey, they're just back there like naming minnows and stomping them into the carpet of my
1: boat. Like four of them just got mushed, dude, deep into the carpet. But, you know, patina. I was laughing, dude, because like the whole, t- literally the whole time, they're just like, they're giggling and talking and like like seriously the for the three hours that we were around you you know and, and sometimes we were several hundred yards away but we would just hear them having a great time man so it's cool and and nick i mean he honestly watching you dude was pretty cool because like you're it was obvious that your goal was for them to have a good time like and that's what dad should do when they he takes his, his kids fishing right but like it was not so much like, oh, I'm gonna fish and you guys just stay back there and be quiet, but like you, you didn't have a rod in your hand more often than you did the whole time. You're like looking at them, you know, focused on them. So I thought it was it was pretty cool, man. It was uh, it, it looked like they had a great time. So like you said, no matter Thanks, what, man. they don't they don't know that about the massive mechanical failures that were going <laughs> down and the fact that uh, you know that um, just everything, dude. They just had a great day. So you made it happen thanks yeah the naivety of kids is like makes you have a little bit of faith in this
2: dark world when they can just be like having fun despite all the crap that's going on and dude my daughter got a polaroid camera for christmas and so we've been like lecturing her like don't waste film don't waste film so (laughs) dude, you could have like the loch ness monster breach at grapevine and and like have the perfect shot she'd be like am i allowed to take this picture she's so obedient she's like petrified to take a picture but Once we warmed that up, dude, she took pictures of everything and then then they're putting it in their little photo album. So a great time was had by all. We lost some hearing, definitely lost some brain cells, but uh, it was pretty great.
3: Why do most of your fishing trips start with jumper cables? Dude. We need to work on this.
2: At Many times at night when I can't sleep, I just think of like I have this weird brain disease of like, I don't know what it is, man. I just, I love buying absolute garbage that doesn't work. And then like romanticizing how it's gonna work, and then it doesn't. So I don't know. I need to get sponsored by a battery charging slash jumper cable company. I wonder if there's any of those in Taiwan that are looking for some elite
1: level representation. What you're not mentioning is the corrosion that was happening on your battery terminals, bro. Like I got looked, popped in the looked, boat.
3: He look right past that.
1: Completely corroded, dude. <laughs> completely corroded, like to where you can turn it with your fingers. And like like it was the uh nut was tight to whatever the the, the, post. the deals that go on to determine the posts but like you could turn all the cables like this you know uh 360 degrees so there, that may be part of the problem well yeah. i'm no
2: electrician but isn't that how ben franklin invented electricity it was like flying a kite with a key on it and then the lightning bolt i thought that like could you know it like encouraged connectivity when you have that loose you know connection i thought it was occasionally it does yes <laughs> it's good for getting electrocuted yes <laughs> so i milked a really boring story into like four minutes so i deserve a grammy for that but i wanted to make josh feel bad and i wanted to get compliments about being a good dad i did both of those so i think i'm done here
3: so do you guys do you guys recall like um when you were younger all the fireworks going off on new year's eve
2: I had more like, today than ever, dude. It's oh, terrible. my God.
3: So, here's what I'm going to do next year. I'm going to go to the little corner pop-up <laughs> stand that sells them. I'm going to buy hundreds of dollars worth of fireworks. And I'm not going to set them off until about 5 a.m. <laughs> on New <your> Year's Day.
1: <laughs>
3: That's <laughs> hilarious. Dude, That's like brilliant. I live in a super quiet neighborhood. But at 9 a.m. they went off. Or, I'm sorry, 9 p.m. they went off. 10 p.m., 11 p.m., and 12. I mean, On the just, hour, huh? Oh, my goodness. How about dude. that? It was like they were shooting a handgun in the air is what it sounded like. Obviously, they weren't, but it was, yeah. So next year, I'm going to do a little walkabout and see who's doing this, and they're going to get it in their driveway about Dude, they
2: 5 a.m. had the nerve to wake up my 18-month-old, and nobody's got time for that. Like, once yeah. he goes down for the count at night, that's when freedom finally has been achieved, and, yeah, i I'm with you, man. I think that's a fantastic strategy.
3: Yeah. I think that's the only way it's going to get resolved.
1: (laughs) It's hilarious. That's hilarious. I love how we're just the grumpy old men who hate fireworks now, but just the (laughs) fact (laughs) that you're scheming and you've got that plan and I can picture you that early in the morning being the only one up in the whole neighborhood, just getting revenge. It's hilarious. You could get like a
2: trailer behind your mountain bike. And you could just like shoot them off as you make the loops around your neighborhood.
3: No, I'm (laughs) going to single out who did it. I don't want everyone to have to suffer.
2: That's probably your whole neighborhood, dude. I think we just alienated like all of mankind and especially our listeners because everyone but us loves fireworks, clearly.
3: Well, 11 years ago is when I learned not to love them anymore. And the reason is we went to Puerto Rico. Boyd played in a baseball tournament in Puerto Rico. And it was awesome, don't get me wrong. But like opening ceremonies of a baseball tournament in Puerto Rico consists of about an hour and a half worth of fireworks. I'm not hey man, kidding. they know how to party. Well oh, hold on. Closing ceremonies of a baseball <laughs> tournament in Puerto Rico consist of about two and a half hours of fireworks. It no was kidding. phenomenal, but I'm over it. I never have to see another <laughs> firework in my life and I'm good.
1: <laughs> you got it filled right there. That's pretty that's yeah. crazy, man. That's a lot of money in fireworks to go down. Oh, it was phenomenal.
3: Yeah, it was it was actually pretty spectacular, but I'm I'm good with it. I'm done now. The so. kids must have loved it. Well, they were out in the field, all the teams, and Boyd's like, "We're getting showered with sparks <laughs> and all kinds of stuff for like <laughs> no two way. hours." Was, oh, yeah. <laughs> so it was wild.
2: That's it's all about the show. Yep. Well, t- someone else talk about that. they got anything good, or is it just a angry old man and fishing?
3: Dude, oh, I'm so afraid to talk about stuff because I'm afraid we're gonna make people drink.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I love it. Okay, about
2: so, the Burger
1: House, teed up, teed up 100%. perfectly. Here, uh, we had one of the funniest things uh, on New Year's. Uh, our <clears throat> listener, uh, Oscar Chip, 21, I think his name's. I know his name's actually Stephen Jackson. Um, hilarious, hilarious drinking game he came up with. He uh, tagged us in this thing on Instagram and. He said, for New Year's, if you wanted to play the Angler's Happy Hour drinking game, you would have to take a shot every time. Josh says 100%, <laughs> making me very self-conscious about that because I do it all the time. <laughs> I, when I, if, if, if I listen back to an episode to, to check on something, I notice that. And I'm like, dang, I say 100% yeah. a lot. Uh, so thanks for calling me out on that. Nick mentions his RV. Rob talks about fixing his house. <laughs> nick interrupts a guest to tell a joke (laughs) they're damn funny though i might add hilarious (laughs) josh mentions recording his garage i purposely didn't do that this morning you're welcome uh rob mentions anything related to hunting i think he should do more of that personally the burger house is mentioned the guys talk about using barbie rods covid talk (laughs) when a non-fishing topic covers more time than it should. That's great. (laughs) Which the first
2: 20 minutes of this podcast has been. So all of America is blasted right now. They're so drunk.
1: (laughs) They're at least getting a little tipsy. By the end of the podcast, it'll be over.
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, that was a great, that was fantastic.
1: My ego is shattered. I don't even know where to go from here. <laughs> but He, he followed it up with... by saying he loves the podcast and keep keep it going. Oh, yeah. So I, I think it was all in love, and we appreciate it, dude. That I've was, been married uh, for
2: 14 years. takes more than that to shatter my ego. That's <laughs> hilarious. Uh, 14, no, you haven't. Day. Pretty much, man. I, I, we took a long time to get married, but I've been with my wife for 14 years.
3: I know, but I remember your wedding like it was yesterday. Well, how long ago was that?
2: Like seven years. All right. Yep, yep. Still had hair back then. If this yep. ever goes on YouTube, I've got like the peninsula is looking real
1: nice this morning. <clears throat> and I like it.
3: Mine was less gray, probably. So,
1: Rob and I just put hats on, dude, so we don't have to worry yeah. about what anyone's gonna think.
3: <laughs> we don't care either, though. So. That's true. That's true.
1: I do. Uh, but yeah, that's about it here, man. Not, not a, not a whole lot. If you notice, I don't have a boat behind me. I sold my boat yesterday, so uh, you know, I, it, I. Knock on wood, everything is timed out perfectly. I'm picking up my new boat tomorrow Ooh, with, if everything awesome. goes smoothly. So, hopefully, I can get all the paperwork and stuff knocked out and be on the water within a couple of days.
3: Um, it's You kind of froze there. Did you see yeah. that? Who you froze right? me. Yeah, you froze. Is it? I wonder if it's still. Uh, can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Whatever. Well,
2: well, Rob, he is recording in his garage. In Good
3: January, point. 100%. So
2: it's pretty cold over there. <laughs>
3: what tell tell me go over your fishing trip a little bit i I purposely haven't asked you guys about obviously uh nick said they caught a few on minnows how how was your day fishing yeah did i tell
1: you guys about the trip i had the week before with uh, john johnson got that no the reason we went out there was because we had absolutely demolished them the week before we had the best day of the winter uh in fall like, I don't know, probably five days before Nick and I had headed out there. So I was like, yeah. and, and it happened in the afternoon. We uh, finally, the spoon bite went absolutely nuts for like three hours. And I mean, we literally caught him for three hours straight, every drop, uh, largemouth <clears throat> and big yellow. So it was really fun, man. And uh, I thought we would just be able to go duplicate it pretty easily. And it just, <laughs> we had obviously some wacky circumstances going on. You know, I had my wife, and, and, and it was a wacky day. And then, uh, you know nick's boat trouble so we didn't we didn't have the ability to go like really chase a bunch of fish down we just went to the exact places we had caught them and uh, they were still around but they weren't red really stacked up and positioned like they had been that previous week i mean i think chantelle and i caught like 15 bass probably and uh, you had heard had heard what nick did which was pretty good for not having graphs and only fishing for three hours but um you know, it was one of those classic, like the fish, I think set up more in the afternoon. Like, uh, they were really suspended chasing a lot of bait in the morning. And then they kind of had just pushed up onto the bottom into this, these couple bays in the afternoon. And uh, how
3: deep were you catching them when it was good?
1: Like 30 feet. Okay. But you know, you'd see, I, I, I idled through there the week before with, uh, John and, um, Dude, you could see a blanket of them on the bottom. Just the entire bottom of the bay was all bass. And I was like, whoa. I didn't want to say anything yet but to him, you know, just in case they I didn't want to look like an idiot, right? right. <laughs> uh, but I had high hopes after idling through there. And I dropped down the first drop and caught one, you know, two and a half pounder. And, you know, it looked like a cat had scratched across my screen of my graph as I was reeling it in. And I was like, nice. holy crap, dude. And it was just nonstop. Uh, after that and then we went so when they stopped we went to the next bay over and it started all over again it was it was amazing man but we had to work a little harder on our day
3: so they're in the bottoms they're in areas where they're not actually holding on any specific structure
1: just yeah like like the straight up winter time like yeah Yeah, just laying on the bottom yeah not feeding
3: right Right. Until but biting when you put a spoon in front of them. Exactly.
1: Pretty. And and then and it it makes them all think they're feeding, right? When yeah. when one of them gets caught and goes nuts, and then yeah. they're all like, ooh, you know, where's the shad? Yeah. But your that's spoon's why. the only
3: shad. Yeah, yeah. perfect. <laughs> exactly. Great scenario. Exactly. <laughs> Very seldom does that happen. No doubt. I mean, I'm telling you, it was
1: special and uh yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I think if you go through those same areas in the morning, you do have a lot more shad. You got millions of shad, and they're just, yeah. it's its harder to catch them around those shad. That's like, do you think that's one of the most common misconceptions for fishing spoons is you, it, you know, you hear it all the time, like, and I think it's written all, and, and, you know, we fish around shad a lot, but like, how many people have been like, so you just go around and look and look for the balls of shad and fish around the ball spoon around the balls of shad? I mean, how yeah. many people say that to you?
3: everybody says that right i mean that's a pretty i'm sure we've said that so
1: i've caught them around the shad plenty of times but like for some reason out here it's like being around the fish is more important than being around the shad
3: yeah makes sense
1: so um a couple more things real quick i'd like to encourage the uh listeners to check out our new youtube youtube channel uh it's anglers happy hour on youtube nick and i had gone out with ryan a couple weeks ago and filmed some stuff and uh, i went out with ryan again to do a live scope video that live scope video will be coming out next week but nick and i uh with ryan had had done a fishing excuses video and uh, that's our first video on the channel did you get a chance to see it rob
3: i did yes did you uh do you think we're cheesy or what of course you're choosing, that's perfect. <laughs> right on. No, it was good. It was good. He, he would have been a part of
1: it, but Rob was in uh quarantine I, for COVID. He'd been in contact with someone that had COVID. Yeah. But I course, we uh, craft got it. craft grade A cheese is what
2: that is. But
1: uh it was it's an fun. American,
2: American singles. <laughs>
1: It was fun. We're going to have a lot more informative stuff on the YouTube channel. You know, we will get out and do something silly like that once in a while. But there's so much of that already on the podcast that we're going to try to uh, gear that a lot more towards tip videos, um, in-depth videos. Like the LiveScope video is pretty in-depth. It's uh, several minutes long and it it talks about a lot of... uh, mistakes you can make right when you first start using live scope things to be looking for and a lot i know a lot of the listeners are just are just now getting live scope on their boat so um it's not so much about the setup but more about just like practical use tips and stuff like that so uh go ahead and and make sure to check that out if you've got some extra time please subscribe and follow the channel and uh, hopefully that just complements our podcast uh we do have a one q a question and uh, again yeah please keep sending these in because these are, uh, are are fun for us they're usually they're usually good questions and uh, if you've got to make sure you send them in on on our uh email what's what's our email nick anglers happy hour at gmail.com yep that'll work info at anglers happy hour is go. also yep email to us or send them to us on facebook or instagram but this one's from jason in california his question is when does the winter bite transition into pre-spawn and how does your approach change on the fishing side so uh rob we'll start with you on this one man when uh and i want to hear what you had to say too nick i we, we all do uh but when do you like start thinking pre-spawn when when are you transitioning from winter to pre-spawn
3: well in in arizona i i start thinking about pre-spawn mid-february um depends on the lake but it's The thing that comes to my mind is, um, you know, the last 10 years guiding on Sawara Lake, you literally, like, you could be late in February catching them in 50 foot of water on a spoon, and I mean, it could be a week later or seems like days later, and you catching them, you know, pre-spawn up on the bank, ready to spawn, and they'll be spawning shortly after that. So I think they move a lot quicker than people think, and I think there's fish... The lake really matters. Like, like, um, what am I trying to say? Like, maybe a a shallower, dirtier lake; those fish will get up and and maybe have a more extended pre-spawn shallow bite. Yeah, Uh, The deeper, clear lakes, I think they go a lot quicker. They go from deep to shallow pre-spawn bite, sort of to uh, you know to the beds really quick. Um, so obviously, I mean, I, I guess pre-spawn doesn't have a depth, does it? But in my mind, well, a pre-spawn bite is a shallow bite, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I guess that's a really good point, man. I would say like, it, it totally depends on the lake, but you know, pre-spawn to me is just when the fish get in their staging positions, right? Like Correct. in wintertime, it's I like they're, they're in a place where they can feed and live comfortably for the winter. And then pre-spawn is when they are and it may in some cases is the same spot but sometimes it's not right which when they make that move to their staging spot whether it's like a secondary point uh the last channel the last deep channel swing in a bay or a pocket before the spawning pocket uh the last you know if it's a lake with a lot of docks it's the last dock on the way into the spawning pocket where it's like in the wintertime it might have been on the main lake point but it slid in halfway and it's gotten into position. And, uh, you know, it's weird, man, because it, there are, there are, there are a million variables and these questions are good. Cause they get you talking, but there's, you know, we hardly ever have a definitive answer and mm-hmm. you know, that's how fishing is in general. Right. But like, it's either going to be the water temp slowly slowly starting to rise or you're just getting closer to that time of year. Like sometimes you'll see it in certain places where like you have like a long cold winter, but those fish, man, they're just about to pop. Right. So they have to get, into position so they can make that overnight move like you said to to get to get on the bank
3: i yeah, love and they pre-spawn fishing and they might move prior to you thinking they should the water temp might not be there yet but totally like i totally agree that's a very valid point josh the fact that they they make that move without the temperature being there or you know and it's still cold but yeah so you know i think time of year is really key and just just testing out those those pre-spawn waters and if you can beat them there (laughs) you can really be the you're going to be the guy that wins the tournament because those pre-spawn staging areas hold the big fish and those
1: are the big females like there's not one time a year where you can target other than when they're on beds but but like there there have been so many times we where It's, you're not getting a bunch of bites, but you might get five all day and they're all fat pre-spawn females and they're predictable. Like every time you catch one, you're like, that's exactly where he should have been.
3: Yeah. When I, when I fish tournaments compared to guiding, guiding is so much different, but tournament wise, I would spend majority of my days, I guess, fun fishing for lack of better terms, but, uh, pre-fishing, whatever, just out fishing. I'd always try to be ahead of the bite and it didn't matter the time of year, but you're always trying what you think should be next. Right. Cause if you can Great be point. the first guy on it and pre-spawn, especially, that's very key. So, heck
1: yeah. Yeah, that's a,
3: but you spend fun. a lot of days, not catching fish is the problem. You know what I mean? But that's how you, I guarantee you talk to a lot of the, especially the local guys in one day tournaments, those guys are, are, have a lot of unproductive days looking for yeah
1: yeah i mean mm-hmm. and, and hey nick you can att- like dude how many how many pre-fish days do you just not catch squat you know <laughs> and, and rob you're, you're saying mm-hmm. it too dude like you're, you're the one saying it it's like but but you're you're looking for that something special you're not you're not fishing for that dying bite right
2: Yeah, just yeah, so much of it's trial and error right that's kind of it seems like one of the huge takeaways here is that it's like you, the playbook doesn't have a specific like when this do that it's almost like you can feel that certain components of the equation are coming into form and then it's just trial and error right like to figure out where they're at in that process
1: yeah yeah just sure keep, keep testing it out just like you guys said just keep 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 checking and uh, try to be the first guy there but um it is think i think about pre-spawn fishing
3: think about back in the day when you know you'd wait wait for the weekly fishing report <laughs> So I mean that just was you were so far behind it, it, it was it wasn't the right thing to follow. Nowadays you have Instagram and Facebook. You can watch people like, oh man, they caught him today on this lake. I'm going. <laughs> oh tomorrow.
1: yeah, oh yeah, That's, seriously.
3: It's a little more instant, and a little a little bit. Um, it's probably more productive because you're you're right on them when they're you know doing what you think whatever the guy on Instagram or whatever yeah. said, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe I true, mean, may, maybe another- <laughs> not, but
1: one thing you could do is like, if you want to be that guy, which we all, we will all want to catch more fish and we'll do pretty much anything to catch more fish. Right. So like you're talking about seeing a picture that some of a fish someone caught and I'll do this with tournament results a lot. Like we aren't allowed to get any information in major league fishing. So we can't be getting any reports or or talking to anyone. But one thing that you can do is you can look at like a lot of times, like if we have practice starting on a Monday and there's a local tournament on a Saturday, I will log on to that local tournament website, and I will look at the fish the winners caught, and um, you can you can learn a lot from stud, from looking at these fish, man. Um, as long as they're not those dudes that brought the fish from Quill Creek Reservoir in Colorado, that would have a right. Powell. You know, that would have right. taken you for a little bit of a spin. Yeah, but, you've uh, been
3: fishing for pre-spawners for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. Like, you can look fish. at the fish and learn a lot. You know, you could see you know the the. You know, if they're super pale, they maybe just came from deep water, they're super fat. Like in the springtime, we're moving ahead a little bit. But, I'll, you know, dude, you could tell a, a, a pre-spawn fish from a, a post-spawn fish so easily. And, uh, you know, the hey. C-section if- scar, is that what it is? Yes. <laughs> exactly. If three out of the top four teams have, uh, you know, their fish have uh, jacked up tails, man. You know, it, it tells you if it's your first day on the water, oh, man, I, you know, might be able to catch them uh, you know throwing a topwater throwing throwing something that's a little bit of a, a more of a post spawn pattern than um you know fishing right up on the bank you know pitching a pitching a uh, creature bait so anyways um anything else to add before we uh, send our interview uh, send over to our interview
2: just shout out to jason in california for a great question that was uh, that got us going appreciate
1: Heck that yeah yeah. All right. Thank you, Jason. And uh, uh, we've got a great interview today. we got Ty Au, Um, He's a, uh, uh, you know, fantastic tournament pro here from Arizona. He's got some big news. He's got some big stuff he's doing this year. So uh, I know he'll be fun to talk to, real insightful. So let's swing it over to him. All right. Ty Ao. happy new year, dude. What, uh, what do you have going on your way?
0: Uh, man, it's just this new year, new beginning. And uh, honestly, man, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys been pretty stressed out I think I I, uh, mentioned mentioned to uh, you when we talked a few days ago and uh, I might as well announce it now Um, you know going on tour next year major league fishing big five and also I'm you know leaving my career with Liberty Mutual and uh, yeah quitting my day job but in the you know French scheme of things um you know, kind of figured out what I need to do. I got to start my own business and, uh, be, you know, working on that while working on my career at the national level. So I got a lot going on in 2021. So I'm pretty nervous about it, but also excited at the same time.
2: Nice, man. Yeah, it's all sorts
1: of big stuff popping. Yep.
0: Yep. Got to do it though. Got to do it. That's
1: cool. Hey, dude, you're completely taking the bull by the horns and everything is, I mean, you're as hard a worker as I know. I, I honestly have full confidence. Like I, I know you're going to catch them and have a great year on tour. <laughs> and I know you're going to sell a lot of insurance. Like there's not a doubt in my mind,
0: man. What, uh, what's the company called? What's your new company going to be called? Yeah. Pick the name, uh, real original, my last name, all, all insurance. Cause I'm going to be doing, you know, both personal insurance and also commercial insurance as well. So I've been licensed to do insurance, both P and C health and everything life. I won't be doing the health side, but you know, also implementing life insurance, but uh, mostly P and C commercial insurance and uh, had the license for 14 years. So I'm a veteran in the insurance business. So I figured it's time to go on my own and start up the the, the business called all insurance.
1: Cool. nice man. Right
2: You know, that's a, that's actually a beautiful uh, foundation you have laid because you know, in in the, uh, Not really self employed, but to some extent, self employed world insurance is great, man, right? Because you can be out doing other things and still keep tabs on that keep the revenues coming in. That's a that's beautiful, man. Nice. Was that planned originally 14 years ago? Did you have a crystal ball? Or did that just organically take shape?
0: yeah uh when i was in third grade in career day um Perfect. you know I, I said i was going to grow up to be an insurance agent so uh you know most people want to be firemen and, <laughs> no i'm just kidding <laughs> the Actually, fake denzel oh, washington yeah. came
1: keep <laughs> it coming ty nick <laughs> no, needs <I> sarcasm <laughs> thrown his way and and you have got uh the ammo dude so yeah keep it coming. So,
0: no really what it was is um a story behind that i was a a, a a manager at a gym it don't look like it now but i was a manager at a gym ran a gym valley total fitness and uh, one day a guy came in and, you know, I hooked him up with a membership and he asked me if I ever thought about getting into insurance. I looked at him did in the eye and said, no, I <laughs> never have. And, you know, uh, interestingly enough, uh, soon after, you know, Valley Total Fitness, was, was they were going bankrupt, a lot of changes there. And, um, you know, I was just stuck in traffic. I had a super long commute when I moved up to the Valley um, that's the reason why I moved up here is to take that position I was living in Chandler I was driving all the way up to uh the what uh, uh highway 51 and cave creek or something like that so pretty long drive stuck in traffic and I'm just looking around I was like man you know what a lot of people a lot more people need insurance than it, they do need gym membership so he there kind of planted go. that seed and the rest is history so um and that's kind of like the key of it I mean in fishing, I mean, so few of us actually make it out smelling like roses, you know, your iconellis your your Kevin Van Damme, those guys are set forever, but there's so many guys that have achieved such a high level, and, you know, I don't want to be one of those guys that kind of walk away from that and not have something to fall back on, you know, I got two kids, I mean, you got, you guys have kids, you guys know what it's like, it's, uh, know i know i have my dreams and everything but at the end of the day i still have a job um as a man to provide for my family and that's what's important to me is just making sure that they're set because i know myself i'm not going to do well fishing if things aren't right at home so um again it's going to take me about two years to rebuild because uh you know it's kind of scary uh going into you know this year knowing that i have to start from scratch not only at the national level, because I'm a rookie now, but uh, also my career, like, you know, I've got to find my first client um, here in about a month. So I'll be set up in about a month and things will be ready to roll. That's when I start my tournament as well. So might as well start the new year with the big bang.
2: Sounds like you're gonna have a lot of free time, man. Hopefully you can find something to
1: do with it.
0: Uh, <laughs> uh, actually, <laughs> Yeah. There you go. I was just like, wait
1: a minute. Oh, sarcasm. I I like it. Well, Ty, dude, that's awesome, man. Uh, we're stoked to see like uh, watch both of those deals progress to take it back over to the fishing side, man. Can you, a lot of our, a lot of our listeners are Western listeners. They already know you. Um, a lot of the Eastern listeners have heard of you, but can you give us just a a quick background uh, of your fishing from, you know, like, like where did you grow up? When did you start fishing? And uh, you know where are you at right now, man?
0: Yeah, uh, approximately 21 years ago, I was just a kid that you know um, got into bass fishing, um, and and I was walking in a taco store with my brother. It was world Bait and Tackle, I believe, at that time, and we saw a flyer. Oh, there's tournaments here in Arizona. It was just we're just kind of looking at the price and uh, decided just to go sign up. It was uh, I grew up fishing Patagonia. If you guys don't know Patagonia, it's a small lake south of the valley south of Tucson, by about about an hour. It's only about 30 minutes away from the border. And it's surrounded by tulies, grass, things like that. So I grew up fishing there. That's where, for an Arizona guy, um, that's where I learned how to fish grass, flip things like that. And uh, when I accepted that job offer at uh, Valley Total Fitness, moved up to the valley. Crystal clear water, deep, you know, um, that's where I learned the finesse game. So I've been fishing tournaments for, what, 21 years now. Uh, Fish, jumped up to fish at the regional level about seven years, eight years ago now. This will be my eighth year. And, um, again, Arizona native, born and raised. Uh, Quick, funny story. I was actually born in a car on the way to the hospital. So I was meant to do car insurance. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. Right on.
2: Dude, your dad delivered, (laughs) huh?
0: Uh, actually, my I think my dad was at work. It was my uncle that delivered? Wow. uh yeah, on twenty uh, second and uh, Abernand down to Tucson. So pretty cool. I was born next to a zoo.
2: I almost had that experience, oh. man, with my uh my first son, and uh, it. I think every father or you know mother too, but we're guys, obviously. That has to be up there with like some of the most intimidating prospects. I remember like about to run red lights because my wife was gonna have it It's like no way <laughs> but our buddy mark did you knew this right josh mark yeah. delivered their middle daughter crazy mark
1: walker aka forrest gump dude he's done everything Mark walker yeah he moved yeah. to
2: alaska it's where they yeah, deliver okay. their own kids
0: wow wow yeah was yeah, it, was uh, there like a
1: snowstorm or something like that and dude. uh
2: three feet fell in 30 minutes and he was wearing you know hawaiian shorts and <laughs> flip flops and <laughs> i'm sure there's some layers there that need to be uncovered
0: yeah it's it like cool the tournament last month two months ago. Nice.
2: hey ty yeah, did you start month. out or didn't start out but you fished as a co-angler for a little while didn't you
0: yeah yeah um that was well, part of the journey right yeah i think the last recession depression whatever you want to call it back in uh whatever nine years ago I lost everything I was one of the guys that lost absolutely everything and uh, got back into fishing after my brother dragged me out of the house to go fish the California Delta as a co-angler I fell back in love back in love with the sport so you know after that I just want to fish tournaments and my brother had gifted me like a old Honda Accord, it's a 1997 Honda Accord, he bought for like seven to 800 bucks, just so I can get around, you know, find, a, find work, things like that. And, uh, you know, that's my tournament vehicle. Uh, kind of funny looking back that, you know, after work, I would drive around, you'll see me in a 1997 Honda Accord, my legs, my, my, my rods laid on the passenger side, driving around from tournament to tournament. I'll, I'll, you know, I slept in it a couple of times, just, you know, fishing as a co-angler. I just wanted to go out there and compete. And I did well one angle of the year. Unfortunately, couldn't go because my son was born um, at the uh, Divisional or State Championship at Havasu. So I didn't get to go that year. But next year, I bought a boat, you know, signed up for my first FLW. It was what the Everstart Series back in the day at, at Roosevelt, last time they were here. Uh, that was my first regional level event. I remember that tournament when I bought the boat probably only about like three weeks before that. Uh, got paid, signed up. By the time I filled up my truck and boat after practice, I remember logging to my account checking. I'll never forget looking at a hundred and seventeen dollars to my name for the next two weeks until next payday. So that was pretty scary, you know. But fortunately enough, Josh, Berg, uh, Josh, Josh, you were in that one. You finished what third in that tournament?
1: Uh, we made the top ten together. I finished second. Yeah, yeah, second. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, but, but yeah, I was about short, to say, yeah. dude, your bank account wasn't empty for long.
0: <laughs> no, um, so I, I think I won like 5,500 bucks. And the funny story be uh, just before that was, you know, how I bought the boat. I was, I was saving up um, and I, I was trying to buy a house for my family because we were living in a tiny room, had a like a, a 15 by 12 foot room. I mean, everything that I owned was inside that room. And um, I was trying to save for the house. I had $5,500, and my brother called me up and said, hey, man, you, you need to buy this boat. I said, dude, you know what I'm trying to save for a house? Like, why would you, like, even, like, bring that up? But if you guys know Vu's very financially responsible, he wouldn't tell me to buy something if it, it wasn't such a good deal. So I found the boat with Tom Lee. You guys remember Tom Lee? Yep. Yeah. So Tom Lee was moving back to the motherland, he said. So he was getting rid of everything here and he had that boat, it was valued by uh, about 26 27,000. He wants to give it to me for 15 grand. Whoa. so uh, yeah, I mean, it needed a lot of work. So when I got it, my jaw dropped. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> I mean, it was so sun faded, the carpet was all torn up. He did not, it looked like he was one of those guys that fished at it for like eight years all I did was wipe down the motor and nothing else was clean i mean that that boat was in bad shape so i put a lot of work into it but the point is i spent my every last dollar uh, dollar buying that boat and remember how i told you i live in a, a a small room or rented a small room before buying that boat i had to call around to a bunch of buddies saying hey man you think i can store my boat at your house until i buy a house i mean imagine if you guys got that call from you know some dude that you knew in the fishing community. Hey, can I use my, you know, park my boat at your house? How long? Uh, I don't know. Um, Indefinitely. TBD. So so I got to give a shout out to Andrew Napoleon. Um, Oh, nice. Yeah. He let me uh, park my boat there for like five months. So whenever I needed the boat, I'll actually go over to his house, pick it up. But yeah, I mean, the reason why I bring all this up, man, it's so humbling to kind of look back to see how far my career in fishing has progressed and uh yeah i wasn't born with a silver spoon it was just years and years of hard work and um just frustration that got me to this point i mean a lot of wins a lot of losses but um so yeah i mean the reason why i wanted to uh, bring that up is i just want to encourage people out there that hey you can do it too you know there's a lot of guys that you know were in the same position as you know i was and you know you can that's why I always tell people, Hey, you need to go fish as a co-angler at least just get out there, you know, start networking with people start getting to know people because You know, those people that you meet today, you know, are going to be the people who might recommend you for a deal. Um, you know, some help later down the road, you're going to learn things as you fish and um, you're just going to be more competitive over time. So, I mean, I remember a post a long time ago, Josh, it was on Bass Zone at the time and uh Someone had posted like, hey, who, who do you think the next Bassmaster or national guy is? And your name got mentioned a lot. And this was before you blew up at the national level. So it was super cool to see that, you know, your career has progressed to a level that, you know, most guys just dream about. But I know that you worked your butt off for it.
1: Well, I mean, hey, dude, it's, I've, I've been super lucky. And um, mm-hmm. I was going to say, like, you know, it's, it's cool to hear your story. You know, I've heard it before. And it's cool that our listeners get to hear it because uh you know like i remember when i first like you know when things started to come together and um you know i was fishing the tour level and you know i dude, i for my whole life i had bought like uh used rods used reels you know you know never never owned anything new always did everything as cheap as possible ate the pb and j's did all did all that stuff and um dude when i started to get like pallets of brand new stuff shipped to my house like i had this (laughs) super guilty feeling right like like i don't deserve this at all and yeah there's ty like you know looking pointing behind him and like i was gonna say i was gonna ask you if you get that but dude you you've 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 earned it through hard work like you you, you've you work your tail off at your day job to provide for your family and then Mm -hmm. dude like you know every spare minute that you're not working with your family, you're working on fishing and, and you've gone out yeah. and earned it, dude. You haven't, you haven't, you know, been, been given anything. You've earned everything. So like you, pre- mm-hmm. how, how does it feel, dude, like to have a brand new boat and, and have pallets of tackle now showing up to your house so you can go <laughs> compete, uh, and, and fish the, the big five pro circuit next year.
0: Um, man, it's, it's just, it's so real, you know, if, that, if, if, if it makes any sense, um, you know, that dream has, it's been a dream since I I started fishing. I remember watching these guys on TV, Larry Nixon, and, you know, all these guys, and just, you know, like anything else, it's a dream, you know. Some people dreamed of being rich, owning, like, Ferraris and stuff. I didn't dream any of that. I dreamt of what I'm about to go do is to fish at the national level, and I saw the general, they call me up. the name they call me is General Ty or whatever, right because the general tire tire sponsorship. But the real general Larry Nixon is gonna be out there. And I think it's so cool that a lot of these guys I grew up watching are gonna be out there competing. Skeet Reese is gonna be out there. You know, that was that was pretty cool that this totally team
1: cool.
0: I was bummed out and see uh Josh bertrand on there. Um but you know, I know it's I know it's hard with everything going on. I couldn't imagine fishing two national uh, you know scheduled events but i was hoping to bro
1: we talked about it at first i was planning on doing both but there's just one of the schedules laid on top of each other no way so i'll yeah i'll just do the vast spread tour but yeah dude it's gonna be uh it's probably it's it's the status field they've had you know probably ever honestly dude it's probably the status field the flw tour which is now the mlf big five pro circuit it's the tough it's the status field they've ever had uh i know you're gonna do good dude so like uh
0: what I love how they doing? changed it. Go ahead. Oh, I love well. how they changed the practice. When I start, they changed the practice from three days to two days. So yeah, two days to figure that lakes. No, oh, okay. That's here's day. a, yeah, no big deal. Here's
1: <laughs> here's something Nick and I were talking with Rob, uh, in the last segment about, uh, pre-fishing and, and how, yep. uh, and, and just some of the dynamics of it, dude. But that was a question I had for you. It, so we talked about, just how busy you are in general, right? And even fishing mm-hmm. local and regional tournaments, you were pretty famous for like not having as much pre-fish time as most others and going out and having a good tournament. Um, what are some of the things that you think helped you with that? And, and how is that gonna translate into next year? Uh, of course it's different, man, because these are massive bodies of water and I get it. It's, it's tougher, but mm-hmm. um, dude, like, what are things that help you on a short practice?
0: Um, Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of people don't know this fact about me, but for the last nine years, since I started my career at Liberty, never had time to practice, couldn't practice. Friday is always my busiest day. So literally I would show up at a tournament and just fish with no practice and no knowledge of where these fish are going to be, things like that. I thought it was a curse and I was upset about that. Um, It would be the right word for quite some time, but over time, I saw that it was a blessing in disguise, meaning that it gave me the ability to go out there and just fish and read the conditions, you know, uh, you know when, when to move, when to stay, when to slow down. The biggest key that, I mean, one of my biggest secrets, if you will, I don't have a lot of secrets, I'm pretty open. Um, you know, I just wanna help people catch fish, but uh, one of the biggest things I pay attention is very much pressure. Over the years, I've developed a system to help me with my decision making process, and it all relates to barometric pressure. So, I'll give you an example. You know, we all know hey, when you go out there first thing in the morning, throw reaction, right? Or when it's windy, throw reaction. Wind is your friend. But I figured out that wind isn't always your friend. Wind is only your friend when it's a low barometric pressure causing the wind to come into the area that you're fishing so if you're in an area um and high pressure is wind coming from the north most of the time here this time of year i want to say about 80 percent of the time wind coming from the north is going to be high pressure i'll give you a perfect example lake pleasant two weeks ago was it two or three weeks ago where you and i fish yep um yeah i knew that reaction bite was not going to be there it might be there first day in the morning but uh, I knew that reaction bite wasn't going to be there. It was going to come in around noon. I saw the barometric pressure was uh, going to drop later in the afternoon. Now, before we got into our flurry, I had called it out that you know this, they're going to start biting. So what had happened was around 12, 1230, the wind shifted from the south. I did look on my app that I used to see when the barometric pressure dropped. I knew it was going to drop later in the afternoon. So what I did was I waited until the afternoon to get on that reaction bite where most guys would have thrown re- reaction from, you know, morning to noon, give up on it, pull out in the main lake, go drop shot. Um, I knew that that was going to happen because when I went in, six boats were leaving the creek arms. So when the wind shifted from the south, it was around the same time I asked said the bear mesh pressure was going to drop. So I told Daniel, hey, they're going to start munching. Not even 10 minutes after I said that I caught that five and a half. We caught that three. I lost one. He catches a three. He loses a big one. I broke one off, and then I broke one off on Nika rig. So, yeah, I fished horrible that tournament, but it was enough to still win that event. We had, like, 85, 86 boats, so pretty big team tournament in Arizona. But, again, no practice. Uh, you know, rewind to another tournament that Daniel and I won at Alamo around the same time, late in the afternoon, one o'clock when shifted from the south, I knew that they're gonna start by re- reaction, picked up a chatterbait and uh, you know smashed our weight for an hour and a half, two hours, and uh, won that tournament as well. But it's these little key things that I pay attention to and just fishing the conditions, they're um, not gonna see me out there throwing reaction when it's glass calm most of the time. Um, and uh, You still have to I'll use drop. common sense, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. You still, still got to be around them. You still got to find them. You still have to have some knowledge of, you know, where usually the tournaments are won at, you know. So living in Arizona, being a native born and raised here, I'm 37 now. i fished these lakes for a long time. And even with practice back in the day, I found that I'm going to go to the same places, do the same thing. I might as well just save it for tournament day.
1: That's cool. Well, hey, that's yes. – There's a lot of dudes that get so stuck on what they did in practice. And and hey, I mean, I think we've all been victims of that. I've done it myself, Mm -hmm. you know, and uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. Like my best practices are like Mm -hmm. mediocre practices. And when I have a, Mm -hmm. like a super, super good practice, it ends up, Oh, hardly ever uh, be, being as fruitful in the tournament. And that's because you never fish the same lake twice. Now, like going back to the pressure, dude, what do you consider high pressure? What do you consider low pressure?
0: See, I don't care what the pressure is. So pressure at sea level is going to be higher. The, the average sea pressure at sea level, it's going to be higher than it is at a higher elevation lake. So I don't look at the pressure. I don't have a pressure gauge in my boat. Again, all I'm looking for is if it goes up, or if it goes down. I'm looking for increases and decreases. When it decreases, that's my window that usually opens up the the reaction bite. When it increases, you know, yeah, you can buy a reaction bite. It's called a reaction bite for a reason, but chances are that fish is not gonna eat it. Or if you hook that fish on a crankbait, he didn't eat it good, chances are you're probably gonna lose it. So another fact that I always look and study is um, how efficient you are, how productive you are. So um, with that being said, if you're not eating that good, you're not going to be as productive as, uh, or efficient as throwing a lure that, you know, is a higher, you know, hook percentage, you know? So I'd rather throw a jig, I'd rather flip. When I'm flipping, when the bear mesh pressure increases, I'll even change the cadence of my flipping. Instead of going in and out, in and out, I'll flip in there, yo-yo it a couple of times, and then I'm out. So I'll really slow down when the pressure goes up and pick your poison. I mean, there's more than one way to catch a fish and tournaments can be won on various lures, but the most productive thing that you can do is just really slow down when the pressure's going up and wait for that very much pressure to drop. That's when you, you know, fish fast. And that's when you go to your best areas, high percentage spots, places where you found them in practice that you didn't get bit earlier. I mean, I've even, waited to the very mesh pressure to decrease on a bedfish fish and it worked. Okay. So I'll find a bed fish. Couldn't catch him. Couldn't get him to go. Couldn't irritate her. I'll leave. Make a note of that later in the afternoon. I know that, you know, my a window drops, a, a drops. I'll go back to that fish and you'll see that the mood of that fish, She's a lot more aggressive, She's willing to play and I'll catch her. So, I mean, That's I'm giving away all my secrets. What do you I mean, think I'm about this Nick? right now?
2: I'm just writing as fast as I can so that I can
1: <laughs> copy all of Ty's secrets, man. I'm hilarious. Yeah. I
2: got it. Well, hey,
0: now
1: now after it's been on this podcast, like seven more people are gonna know. So we're uh, we're in <laughs> yeah. trouble, man. The secret's well, out.
0: Here's the thing, guys. Um, knowing and doing is two different things. I mean, knowing as well as I know, I even struggle with it because some yeah, I'll be honest with you, sometimes when I get to practice, you know, I'll practice for regional level events and if I'm catching them a certain way it's hard for me yeah. to make that adjustment and um yeah I don't know how well I'm going to be able to apply what I know back east a bass is a bass anywhere you go but I still have to be in the right areas you know and two days of practice makes me a little nervous um but it is right up my wheelhouse and I've been you know in the wild west bass of the pro-am circuit a lot of the lakes that we've been to in the last five years i've never been to and uh i've done well finished top tens almost won that new maloney's event um with two days of practice out there um but yeah having a bad practice doesn't mean really anything i mean it means that yeah you may may have eliminated some water sometimes it can be a blessing in disguise like clear lake back in september was that september September, I won clear late, and in two and a half days of practice, I caught a total of five fish, biggest one being like 2.3 pounds. and uh, In all yeah, of men- practice. In all practice, so I caught a total of five fish, and yeah, I was feeling pretty bad about that tournament, and um, it was a mental game for me to be in the right place mentally because I was done. Uh, honestly, I was, I was a mess. I'm like, man, there goes Angler of the Year. You know, I'm not going to get to go on tour because I wasn't going to go on tour unless I finished top five. I'm just one of those guys. I don't want to get in. Um, I, I want to earn what's given to me, right? It just feels a lot better when you earn it. So I didn't want to get in by some technicality. I didn't want to, uh, you know, winning Angler of the Year, that f- extra 5,000 will help me with some entry fees, yeah. things like that. So. Again, I thought at the beginning of the tournament, I would have bet you my kids that I wasn't going to win that tournament. And turns out, I did. And it all stemmed from one key bite I got on a Yamamoto Senko. I threw it out there in practice, get it loaded up, set the hook, I broke my line. That's all I had to go by. I had no idea how Must big it was. Must have been
1: a big was. one if it broke my line.
0: <laughs> no, I, I think I had a bad knot. Because, you know, in practice, I, I don't care about retiring I don't care about freeze. I mean, I'm just trying to get bit. So... I broke my line. It was like the fourth spot. I think I had one fish at that time, came, came back through to about where I got bit, set the hook. I caught a five pounder, helped settle me in. Didn't know that was the, I ended up winning the, the tournament at that area. And, uh, you know, it was a blessing in disguise that I didn't have a good tournament because I would have ran all over the place chasing fish all around the lake. Now it is clearly the fish are everywhere there. You can pull up on any random point. The fish are there you just have to catch them. And uh, yeah, it it turns out I was on a mega school. And uh, I mean, I think the last day I threw, I threw like another winning bag back. I called it another winning bag back. I mean, it was crazy. In one hour, I had 20 pounds Uh, by 10 o'clock. I was done. I mean, I had 26 pounds by 10 o'clock. It was just one of those dream days. I probably had, could have had over 30. I just lost some giants on the final day as well. So point is, you know, On the West Coast. What are they notorious for one thing that I can't stand. uh, I think it happens all over the country and uh, you know guys go out there. They'll practice Not have good practice and not sign up for the tournament. I mean, that drives me nuts because some of my best tournaments are actually my worst practices and some of my worst tournaments are my best practices. So you've been there. I know you've oh, been
1: yeah. there, Josh. Well, yeah, I mean, that just forces you to fish the conditions and fish your gut in the tournament, right? And it's not yeah. – there's been a couple times where I had a really bad practice and I knew it was coming, dude. And I was bent over before I even fished the first morning, <laughs> you know. But, But a lot of times, like – if you just get one or two clues, it, but you're still completely open-minded, that's the ideal scenario. You know, like the best year I ever had was 2018. And I remember every day of practice telling, you know, my buddies or my family, like, hey, I, I, they'd go, how was practice? And I was like, ah, I, I don't know. It wasn't that yeah. good. But then, you know, the tournaments would go great uh so I, there's definitely something to that dude and, and you're right it's easier said than done you can tell yourself all these things but you know you get out on the water and things aren't going your way in practice it's easy to get down and uh, it's easy to the demons get in your head you know uh, yeah. even trying to get you to go against what you told yourself you were going to do but you'll do good in the two day practice, man. You know, and like the, it having not having a short practice like that on big bodies of water too, it forces you to really pay attention. Of course, you're paying attention. You're paying attention to the pressure, but to all the conditions, to the wind. And it's so important, you know, and even for, for someone that's going to have one day to practice a local lake or, or, yeah. you know, just whatever the scenario is, you, you pay such close attention to the wind because it, and the weather, because that, that dictates when you're going to be able to do certain things, you know, and uh, you know, it, you might. Yeah. You can't show up to the lake saying, "Well, I'm going to fish shallow one day and deep the next day, and just go out yep. and do it," because the the weather conditions might dictate. It might be, you know, flat calm on the first day of the of practice and and super windy the second day. So, hey, maybe you're better off getting out offshore that first day because the second day you're not going to have that choice. It's going to be too rough to go out there anyway.
0: So yeah um, I, I what one thing i like to do is i like to look ahead of time and practice for the conditions you know um and i learned that at the delta the hard way uh in at the delta i want to say five years six years ago i went out there with a big old rat here i got it right here this guy right here okay pretty big bait and um my brother bought it you know for me on christmas I you, know you got a generous brother, dude. Everything yeah. you, you say yeah. starts
1: with my brother, but bro. is I, your brother it, that
0: generous, our, Nick? Yeah. No. Yeah, no mine no, isn't. No, no, I is
1: no. Vu is
2: is Vu uh taking new brother applications?
0: He <laughs> probably is, yeah. Yeah.
2: I have the I have a the same hey, amount you know of letters what? in my name as you.
0: I know, I know, I know um that uh yeah, man. Uh you do real estate. Just uh you know anybody down in Tucson, I'm sure will help you out. <laughs> hey man,
2: he uh he has a little protege under his wing, that's who I bought my boat from. Uh, mm-hmm. Johnny Wynn. Uh,
0: Johnny, oh cool,
2: Johnny, yeah, yeah, yeah good He's dude. He sold me a boat that doesn't work. No, I'm just kidding, the boat's oh. great, <laughs> <laughs>
0: totally kidding. <laughs> no, Johnny's a good dude. Um, but anyway, I, I went out there and I think I got, the first day of practice, got 32 pounds and then 30 pounds, and I was like, man, I had that. I was guilty of having that team mentality, team angler mentality, especially growing up in Tucson where the limit's only three. You're going out there, you're fishing for like four bites, leaving yourself room for one mistake. And <laughs> almost embarrassingly enough, the first day, those fish were there. I saw them. They came up on the, on the rat and, you know, the cold front went through, all the conditions were there, all the telltale signs says, hey, they're not going to bite that thing. And I remember talking to Joe Uribe at the time, another great West Coast angler. He was telling me, yeah, I didn't even bother throwing it. I looked at the weather. They're not going to eat it for the tournament. So why am I going to find the bite? So that's, that was a key tournament for me. Um, although I lost, I learned something from that tournament to apply for, you know, everything else that I fished in over the years at that, that tournament. Although I lost, it helped me, you know, be in a better position as far as, you know, making cuts and making money at the sport. Because, yeah, I went out there, saw these fish, picked up a a chatterbait and a Senko, caught 18 pounds real quick. And then uh, the second day, it warmed up five degrees. I I was going to throw it all day. I came in with eight pounds. I did catch one on the rat. It was like eight inches, though. I couldn't A rat on the rat. Yeah, a rat on a rat. So, you know, and, and that's the fun part about this sport, guys, is you know, you, you go out there, you kind of learn, and then you apply for the next tournament. It's a cycle. So, um, you know, time on the water, I mean, you hear that term a lot, but one thing I want everybody to think about is, well, if time on the water is so important. Why is Jordan Lee? You know, guys like Jacob Wheeler, I mean, they're fairly young guys. They're they're dominating the sport right now. So, it's basically the key thing is what you do with that time. I You know, I don't know Jordan Lee, but I heard about him. That guy... Josh, maybe, you, you know, maybe you can help me with this, but I heard that guy is like a spirit, man. He just, the wind blows him across the lake. If he feels like throwing a jig, go pick up a jig and throw it. Although he never even threw it in practice. So that's why I was about it. All instinct. Yeah. Yep. So you're right. Yeah. And someone like him, I can't imagine he has all this experience with, you know, all these lakes. So no, it's in a
2: Ouija board in his rod locker. Right. That's his secret. Ty's
0: got
1: barometric pressure, and, and Jordan's
2: got a- Ty's <laughs> got two sticks, and he holds them to feel which way, and then Jordan's got an Ouija board.
0: Well, I stick my finger in my mouth and hold it <laughs> to the air. That's what I like to do. Uh, yeah, that's the direction I, to go.
2: That's what YouTube told me how to read the barometric pressure.
0: I did that, and I got COVID, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to be careful.
1: <laughs> hey, so, dude, these are like – these are some of the best le- lessons we've ever had on the podcast because they're great general rules that people can use, man. Like that's really good info, dude. That's uh, applicable. That, that's super applicable. You're right. And that's, that's, that's better than someone telling you, Hey, go throw a spinnerbait on this bank and you know, uh, this time of year, you know, that's because that, there's
0: yeah, it, it doesn't apply it, it you doesn't. Know, over the years. I, I can promise you that, Hey, he may or may not be right. But let's say he caught him on a spinnerbait at that bank, you know, he had some weather going through, a storm was coming, whatever, the pressure was lowering, it was off the hook. I mean, it happened to us during practice. We'll catch him on a bank on a certain lure we'll come back for the tournament and can't even buy a bite and then come back with their tails between our legs. That's happened so many times. So that's why I tell people, don't focus on the beaks. I fish with a lot of great anglers out there. A lot of really good guys. I, t- I, I, I hate to break to you guys. There's nothing secretive about this boat, but this sport. We all throw the same lures. We see you on TV, catching them on lures that we can just go to, uh, you, know, you know, any tackle store and buy. It's It boils down to efficiency, technique, your ability to read the conditions, select, you know, I don't even get too caught up in colors to be honest with you i you know i got all these baits here and you actually baits that i ordered when i first got on because i want to try everything i mean if you look in my boat, i'm constantly refilling green pumpkin black and blue watermelon red and baby bass i mean literally that's it so i keep my color choices simple you know now that everything's so complex i'm basically trying to go back to simplify everything so i don't have to carry everything everywhere i go and I mean, I heard about your boat, Josh. You know what I heard? You are the messiest fisherman. <laughs> Who told you that? <laughs> yeah, your boat is loaded with tackle, and You can't find anything. Is that right? Is that yeah,
1: and, you know, I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm just a pack rat by nature. It's just yeah. like, it's by nature. And I, I'm worthy of where I don't get crazy with what's actually tied to the end of my rod, but I've got to have it because I'm just like, mm-hmm. there's that one time when I might need it. And like, yep. it was... It was to the point when we could share baits, I would have dudes that would constantly come up and find me during practice because they knew I would have it. You know, what Easy I mean? money, right? You just charge them five bucks. Like, oh, yeah, you need yeah.
2: that? Sweet. I'll put
1: it no, on your tab. Two, I would say, no, I don't yeah. have it. And then be like, ooh, they're biting that. And I'd yeah. tie it on myself and throw it. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> there we go. Now we're getting to the juice.
2: This is uh, good. Uh,
0: oh, wow. that's uh, I didn't know that. Just I kidding. Just
2: kidding. <laughs> I'd give so. them my last bait if I had to. Yeah, see there's the politically correct Josh we all love. Ty, yeah. you were talking about kind of the the simple but you know like just true aspects of what makes someone great. And I think confidence is in that too, right? It's everyone's throwing the same bait, reading the conditions, and then you know, hanging in there, right?
0: I tell you guys something, be real with you guys. Um I wouldn't say I'm really that confident as a person. You know? um, and and I think, you know, to, for me, it's a good thing, because, you know, even like looking at on paper, what I've done on the West Coast, which last time I looked, I think it was like 16 top 10s in the last seven years, um, the last four years of one Angler of the year in some sort of capacity, like, you know, whether it be team pro and the Wild West recently last year, um, I still wouldn't say I'm not say i am I'm, I'm confident in my abilities, but that's also a good thing. I look at that as a good thing because, you know, when, when, when I'm feeling that I feel like I go out there, I I try harder. I wake up earlier, I stay out later because I feel like, you know, behind, I, you know, you have to be true to who you are. And for me, I like the thrill of chasing somebody down that's ahead of me. So I personally like that. Uh, it just makes me work harder so you know if I'm ahead you know uh, I might slack up a little bit so that's why for me it's important to progress important to learn important to uh, get a little bit better each day and um, again that's just my whole outlook on everything that I do is just to kind of be a better version of me the next day so uh, with that being said um, yeah (laughs) Uh, you know, I, I I really don't know. Everybody seems so confident that I'm going to catch him next year, which I'll be honest with you. I really don't know. I'm smack in the middle. I, I really don't know. Things can go really horrible for me. I'm just hoping that I don't go out there and embarrass myself next year because, uh, you know, let's face it, there's uh, quite a few guys that have done that. But on the flip side, there's a few guys that have been really successful like Josh. So um, that, you know, keeps me motivated and keeps me focused.
1: You're going to do good and it's fishing, right? So you're going to have a bad tournament. Uh, Every single person does dude, but you're going to do good. I know you will, uh, you know, but, and that's, that's just all there is to it. You know, (laughs) at the end of the year, it's going to be a good year for you. I'm sure. And dude, I had a bunch of other, like, fun stuff i wanted to ask you but we're already running low on time nick and i both have to be done at 9 30 here so uh maybe we can get you on again here uh within the next couple months because i want to talk about some of the silly stuff that uh you know we're we're big az anglers fans and and we you know we'll give you a chance to plug it here in a second but uh dude we, we had like a handful of az anglers questions that were just fun things that have come up there on there over the years but but we gotta roll dude but uh uh thank you nick do you have anything else for ty before we let him go yeah,
2: man, I've just got a cramp. I was taking down all these notes, dude. Thanks for sharing nugget upon nugget of, of just fishing greatness, man. Thanks. I okay.
0: appreciate it. Yeah. So as Josh mentioned, um, yeah, I started AZ English It's a Facebook group, um, and again, I mean, anybody's welcome. So just because it's AZ English doesn't mean that you have to be with AZ English. We've got guys from all over the place. Guys that come and visit Arizona. We've got like twenty three thousand members on it now. It started on a Sunday when I was bored. and I had no idea what I signed up for because, I, you know, I got a lot of flack and dealt with a lot of things. It's the Internet, but I accept it for what it is. And a great group of guys, made a lot of friends on there, learned a lot of things from these members and had a lot of laughs. So appreciate you guys being a part of it as well and uh, showing us love. But uh, anyway, have a great rest of your day. And I uh, really appreciate you guys inviting me on the show. I've actually been wanting to do this for a long time.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, dude, it's pleasure, we're, we're thrilled that that we got you on, man, and uh, yeah, it's uh you got a lot of good stuff going on. Where can people uh, follow you on your personal pages?
0: Yeah, so um, you know, I'm mostly on Facebook because Instagram to me is where all the kids that you know in school flipped pages to look at pictures and didn't read anything. That's where all the people. Ah, uh, dude, just an old man, dude.
2: <laughs> man after my own heart.
1: But uh, yeah, yeah Nick is up, too. Um, what the
2: heck? Instagram is for the ladies, bro. That's all there is on Instagram. Rob likes Instagram. Because he's there yeah, for the uh, ladies.
0: For, anyway, um, yeah, just look me up. Ty Al, T-A-I, last name A-U, super short. Um, just my page, please. Uh, you know, I got a personal Facebook account too. But um, again, I usually use my fishing stuff. I'm holding up the trophy. And then on on Instagram, is Ty underscore media. And then next year, I'm going to start up a, a – well, get back to YouTube as well. So just – posting you know how to videos and just simplified things and hopefully information that'll help people out there catch more fish. Cool. Right Back on yeah. brother. Well dude, all hey that cool. was
1: awesome. Uh everyone go check Ty out and uh thanks Ty. I'll uh, I'll see you soon dude. I'll uh, I'll see you on the water at sometime this month I'm sure.
0: Hey you owe me twenty bucks.
1: Huge thanks to Ty for coming on and as always most importantly thank you all for listening. Hope you all had a great New Year's day and uh, let's hope twenty twenty one is gonna be a good year. I know we're all looking forward to things, hopefully just getting back to normal in this world. So uh, have a great week, and we will chat with you next Monday.